Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larecchia, and this is episode number 325 of the podcast. It's the 13th of April, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a lovely conversation with Sarah Yasner. Sarah is an unschooling mom of three, and we talk about unschooling alongside her experience going through menopause. Sarah's two sons are older now, but her daughter Pamela is nine. We talk about her family's flow and how the addition of Pamela shifted things for everyone in very positive ways. Sarah shares a lot of what she's observed about the effects of perimenopause and menopause and tools that she's found helpful in taking care of herself. Our conversation through this new lens was so interesting, and I think Sarah's insights are so valuable, especially for those at a similar place on their journey. Sarah would love to connect with other parents who are experiencing menopause while unschooling younger children, and I encourage you to share your thoughts and experiences in the episode comments on my website to continue the conversation with Sarah. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now here's my conversation with Sarah. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Sarah Yasner. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Pam. <laughs> so you recently reached out uh, to me to ask whether I have talked about unschooling through menopause on the podcast mm-hmm. and I have not <laughs> and I thought it'd be great to speak with someone who's already been thinking lots about it so thank you so much for saying yes <laughs> you're very welcome thank you for having me on I'm really excited to come here and talk about it today Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to dive in too. So to get us started, can you just share with us a bit about you and your family and what's everybody interested in right now? Sure. So I, um, we are a family of five and I did um, ask my kiddos what I could share. So um, they're here in spirit and I'm good with it. So uh, we're a family of five and um, my husband, John and I, and we've been together about 28 years. And then we have three kiddos. Uh, my oldest is Seamus and he's 20. My middle is Emmett, who's 17. And my youngest is Pam, another <gasps> Pam. <laughs> and she is nine and a half. And um, we live in Maine and outside of Bangor. And we live uh, in an old farmhouse that was my husband's grandparents' home when he was young. So this was like where he came when he was a kiddo. Uh, so and it's on a little bit of acreage and we live across the street from a lake. And so we're able to, uh, we live on a busy road, but still we've, we've learned to cross it safely. And so we um, love uh, as a family, especially the kids and I love going to the lake in the summer and swimming and kayaking and paddle boarding. That's new this year. 
and um, we live, there's several hikes in the area. So we all love hiking. So all five of us can agree on we love hiking. And um, we have a lot of homesteading practices, uh, less now than we used to, but there was, now we have um, 11 chickens and um, we also just uh, did a bunch of maple syrup um, boiling. Mm -hmm. So my husband does most of that. I do the very end, but we put it in the bottles, but he spends lots of hours out there with the sap. And so the kids have been involved with that over the years, mostly tapping and kind of collecting the sap, but, and, and eating the syrup. They love the syrup. <laughs> um, and then um, we used to have big gardens. Uh, we do kind of small ones now. And let's see, what else do we like to do together? We love board games together. So um, especially the kids and I, but my husband will join in and we play um, my husband and my sons are really into role-playing games. Mm -hmm. So D and D and um, forbidden lands and all, a lot of other ones. And so we've played as a family on and off for probably about, I don't know, seven or eight years. And um, it's always a really good opportunity for us to work on family dynamics. Often my husband and I are winding up in some sort of, deep conversation, conflictual, trying to work out stuff. And, and I find that it's great because it's, um, it's a great opportunity for us to work on things um, because it's a time when we're sitting together and we're talking. And most of the time when we're together, we're out doing stuff and we're not, you know, we're not like chewing on stuff in that sort of a deep way. Mm -hmm. And so it really brings up our differences and how we communicate. And so sometimes it's hard and I find it very, um, helpful in our communication, but, um, so that's funny. It's a hobby of ours, but that tends to be how that goes. <laughs> so that that's our family. And then, um, so a little, let me tell you a little bit about each kiddo. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I'll start with the youngest. Cause, um, I've had a chance to watch a lot of your podcasts now. And I remember when my boys were little and we were just getting into this unschooling and I would hear from people who had like older teens and their kids would be into these things. And I'd be like, I'm doing something wrong or why are, you know, and then it was just so beautiful how it evolved. And so um, I think I love what my daughter's into, but I just love starting with her because she's nine and she is loving right now a lot of um, uh, online series. So she's watching lots of um, sitcoms, lots of things on families and kids in school and um, a lot of the ones that were around in the nineties, like boy meets wor world and girl meets world and all this. So, uh, she's really loving that. And then she loves YouTube and, um, she really loves to do crafting and making. And so she's always working with the glue gun and beads and any material, um, and or painting, whatever. So she learns and hacks, you know, they have all the hacks. So she tries those out. So she loves that. She loves um, spending time with her friends and does Roblox and Minecraft. So she's been new with that in the last year or so and talks with her friends on the line. She loves spending time with her friends. We're super fortunate that we have two close friends that we connect with. One's an unschooling family and one is just, they live sort of unschooly principles, even though their kids go to school. So we all connect and they're within two minutes of us, which in a rural place, you yeah. know, is amazing. Wow. Amazing. So she gets to go there all the time and, um, and she loves that. And she loves, um, horseback riding. That's in the last couple of years she started and she, uh, she does hike with us. She likes it. She, you know, gets a little tired maybe, but she likes hiking in the water and playgrounds and, Nerf gun fights and kind of the stuff that I find a lot of nine-year-olds really love. She's, she really enjoys it. 
and she loves her brothers. So this is a girl, she's going to have very high expectations of men when she's an adult, which I think is awesome because her boys, I call her her boys. So my sons were eight and 10 when she was born and um, they've always been really fantastic with her. And so, um, so I will transition into them now. So Emmett is 17 and um, he got recently got his driver's license back in January so that was, and my oldest had his license, but didn't really start driving till this past January. So both my boys out of the nest driving, which is something that, oh my gosh, along with menopause, it's something I feel like people don't talk about is how intense that is as a parent to have them drive. But he's driving, he did great. He did his driver's ed online and he has dyslexia, which um, was identified probably when he was about 11. And so um, he, Anyway, he enjoyed the class online. It was perfect because he could do a lot of different things to help with some of the material. So he did, he's doing that. He loves, um, he's a gamer. He loves gaming. He's got a group of friends that they've been playing online together for, I don't know, eight years, maybe. And um, he uh, is recently, I uh, loves YouTube and, you know, uh, exploring all different things online. You know, he's, he's on the computer a lot and he, also, um, recently, him and his friends have been trying to create an animation together. So, and they're really starting kind of from scratch. So, um, yeah, so they're like having meetings and they're trying to figure out how to do it. And then they're struggling through it. And so I think it's great. You know, I stand back and watch and not that they're struggling, but I mean, they're, it's part of it. Figuring so, it out. <laughs> right, right. So, um, and then he, um, he did uh, martial arts for a long time. He got done last year, but um, now he's really into high intensity training, which is this like very intense training for short amount of time. So he does that. He loves biking. He loves hiking, camping. um, And he uh, went to a a couple of sort of outdoor environmental camps um, before COVID and really loved that. And he's hoping to work at one this summer. Cool. And let's see what else. Oh, and he is just had his, he's working at, um, he, he works at a grocery store now. So it's like his first like job in a store, but he babysat for many years too. So he's just a kid who all the younger kids love him. Like in our homeschool groups, they all love Emmett and Emmett is thinks everything is fun. So he's like my kid who's like, wow, look at that cool new piece of kitchen thing you've got. That's awesome. I want to try it. So that's really fun. That's really fun. Uh, all right so Seamus is 20 and um so he um he's also been doing martial arts um he's still doing it he since he was six and a half so he is um it's a traditional Okinawan karate and um he's been there for years he has the advanced belts and he just it's a really good um it's a really good thing in his life. He really loves it. So he does that now. And he also is a gamer, loves to be online, loves YouTube, um, also does the high intensity training. And um, he uh, is taking a couple of community college classes, which uh, he is enjoying. And he also uh, does Dungeons and Dragons and he is a uh, dungeon master or he leads them. So he makes up the stories. And so he is having a really interesting life experience now of, um, figuring out his time, how much time classes take and how much time, you know, work takes and, and, and 
not having enough time for his D&D and feeling frustrated and trying to balance that. So he's working through that. And he's also been, um, and I asked him and he was fine. He's always been very um, focusing on his mental health. He has some depression and anxiety. So he's been in counseling, um, his choice on and off since about 15. And um, so for him, he knows exercise and making a structure for himself is really important. Um, and I was a very unstructured, unschooly mom. So he learned that, oh, I need this. And so I was like, I support you on it. What can I do to help you have your structure? Because I, I'm not so, so good at structure that way. Yeah. But, and then just a little on his history. So he, um, he did take some high school classes. He did go to the community, uh, not the community, the vocational high school uh, for like IT and he learned he never, ever wants to be an IT person. So that was good. Yep. Um, yeah. But the, uh, and he's gone to the, um, he loves camping and hiking and, and he's worked at an environmental uh, camp and he went to one for many years. So, so he's doing that this summer again. So that's his love. But the, the cool thing that I really love sharing with other unschool families, anybody who has teens is he spent eight months doing the AmeriCorps and triple C program. So here in the States, it's kind of like the um, domestic Peace Corps. And so it's for 18 to 24 year olds. And they spend 10 months or eight months with another group of teens or young adults their age. And they go from project to project, fixing up things. They were they worked at a COVID um, vaccination center, checking them in. They did uh, tutoring at a school. They you know, cleaned out invasive plants in a, in a field like that type of thing. So he went and did that and had a lot of adulting experience uh, that came to him as a side, you know, car accident and, and, and uh, what else? Alle food allergies for the first time. So anyway, but the um, going through as a parent, having him go off in the world and he loved that experience and he was so happy to come home. And so I just feel like I'm on this other end of homeschooling, unschooling, and I have a nine-year-old and I'm going through menopause. So all of that is, you know, one of the reasons I reached out and one of the reasons I've been um, loving listening to your podcast too lately. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for going into the detail. That's what I love about this question because Unschooling kids, like kids, are unique, right? And unschooling kids have the time to dive into the threads that seem interesting to them. So it's so fun to hear just the richness. And we have all that time. We have, you know, the time to go hiking and camping and trying out camps and actually, you know, YouTube, diving into it, figuring animation out, you know, diving into old TV shows that are interesting to us. <laughs> that I that's what I love is just seeing the diverse way we can approach the world, because like you were saying, like we can feel like, am I doing this wrong? Because my kid's doing this. But when we see that kids are doing so many different uh, different things in different ways at different ages, like the age is kind of irrelevant. It's what strikes them whenever it strikes them, right? So right. thank you so, so much for diving into that. Thank you for asking. It's always <laughs> fun. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I would love to go back a bit. And I was curious how you actually discovered unschooling and what your family's original move to unschooling looked like. 
Yeah. So we, um, let's see. So we, I had never heard of unschooling, like a lot of people until, um, for my first two pregnancies, I had uh, a home birth midwife. Mm -hmm. And so she unschooled her family and they also lived uh, on a homestead. And so that was sort of the first time I experienced being from New Jersey. That was the first time I'd ever experienced those two things for sure. And, um, and then I was part of a, once I had the kids, I still didn't think we would homeschool. And I was definitely on that, like, oh, you know, only a certain amount of TV and they should, you know, very, a little bit more traditional. We were definitely attachment parenting. We, you know, we co-slept and we were, you know, nursed for a long time. But I also, um, God, I didn't really talk about John and I, but I, I can weave that in other points. But <laughs> that, in so funny. that in there, Sarah. <laughs> well, so, so in addition to, um, so I, I, I've worked out of the home most of the years. Um, while the kiddos were th- this life. And um, my husband was usually home. If I wasn't, uh, we had a little bit of childcare and we um, had my mother-in-law and all this stuff. But early on, I really thought that, um, you know, I, I had an okay experience with school. And so they would go to school. Like, you know, it that's just kind of what you did. But, and all of my friends, when the boys were really little, they, while they were attachment parenting and nursed a long time and, but they all were sending their kids to school. So like when that was just what was happening. And so, um, so, and I was at work anyway, you know, four days a week. So it was like, well, they'll be gone when I'm gone. And I spent so much time with them when I was home all my time. And that's why we co-slept. We kept co-sleeping until they were eight or nine, at least because I didn't see them during the day. And so, all of that just felt like, okay. And so my oldest son, Seamus, he started kindergarten and at first it was good. And then after a few months, it wasn't so good. And they were starting to mention things like, oh, we're a little concerned about his attention or, and he was such like a happy-go-lucky kid. Like he was so like joyful and smiley and happy. And then I remember in February, the school was so weird. They sent home a letter that said, well, we're starting to get concerned about Seamus and he doesn't seem very happy in school anymore. And, you know, he'll, you know, and they would do things like, um, you know, they have this like red, orange, green thing in the schools. I don't know if you've heard of this, but, you know, like if you're doing everything right, you're a green. And if you're not, then you're at a yellow, pay attention. And then if you're red, okay, you should stop, which that concept isn't horrible, but but then there'd be all these consequences. Oh, you got a red, so now you can't go out to recess, which you're like, well, and it was a kindergarten that was like so much sitting, 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 sitting. Wow. And so anyway, they wrote me this letter and they said, oh, we're, you know, we, we hate to talk about attention issues at age five, but, you know, we're, we're really concerned because he just doesn't seem as happy anymore. And I was like, oh, so I spent these two weeks before this meeting I was going to have with them, like, I think I'm going to have to pull them out because I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm not doing anything around attention issues at age five. And I don't even understand what's happening. And so I went in and I was like, I'm just going to have to homeschool. And one of the teachers is like, I totally understand. I would have homeschooled my kiddo if I wasn't a teacher and in the classroom next door, like you do what you need to do. Like she was really supportive. So we pulled them out. And we said, we'll just get through this year. And the next year, maybe we'll try first grade, new teacher. My kid will be mature. It'll be, 
And we <laughs> loved homeschooling. Like we loved, like we did a little bit of curriculum, but not having to rush them out the door to date to school. Um, the fact that, I mean, there was already homework in kindergarten, so we didn't have to do homework. I mean, it was, we didn't have to worry about the school at all. And I would, I just love that. And my husband too, we're like, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just do it. And, and the, the decision to pull them out was scary, but then after that it was easy and, and flow. And then, um, we started to explore unschooling a few years later. We were always very eclectic and I was very much about not pushing, um, about reading or anything. You know, he was, he was reading some books, but like picture books, but I was like, I felt very good. I read some John Holt um, and I was just sort of finding my way and still like, oh, you can, we, let's not do too much TV, but I was still, it was like playing with the whole idea. And then actually my midwife hosted um, Dana Martin, um, who's an on-school advocate here in Maine, in Maine, in um, the Northeast or in the States. And she came to talk about her book and I went there and it was really, it's a, then it really started to click like, oh, this is a thing we could do. Like, I just saw someone on one of your podcasts, someone said, oh, I thought I was just doing homeschooling wrong when really I was unschooling. And I was like, oh yeah, that was me too. I was like, oh, this felt so good. So good. And I met a woman there who also was on the unschooling path who lived like 35 minutes from me. So we, so it just started there and lots of reading, um, I, you know, John Holt and Dana Martin, but then I read your book and then um, we just kind of continued, continued down that path of leaning into it more and more and leaning into it more and more. And, um, and it, and it was just, I just felt really good about continuing to sort of unravel the sort of um, aggression that existed in the traditional school system or even in the traditional parenting system, like, wow, that's so aggressive that a kid feels bad because they can't read yet, or that they're made to feel bad because they didn't understand something yet. And so their grade says F, like there's something so aggressive about like, oh, you are wrong because you, you don't learn at the, my timeline. And so I just kept kind of leaning into that. And, um, Another thing, so I, I have a graduate degree in um, contemplative psychotherapy, which is a mix of Eastern and Western psychology. And so I had a whole experience with mindfulness and meditation, which has, I'll talk about a little bit more, but that played into it too, where I was like, this whole compassion thing feels so important. And unschooling just felt like the most compassionate thing. And, you know, we, we, it was a rocky boat sometimes. And my husband and I were not always on the same place at the same time. And we had to kind of keep, keep leaning in and figuring it out. But it felt, it felt always like the right path. I loved it. Every time I read it and anybody's work, I was like, oh, this is me. Like, this is authentically me. And I love it. And then I would say the biggest the biggest shift for us that was like, was when I had my daughter. So she was sort of an unplanned, happy surprise. Mm -hmm. And, and I was 40 years old and I had an eight and 10 year old and here came Pamela. And, um, and I literally just didn't have the energy to worry anymore about how, if they were spending their too much time on the computer or if they did this, or like, I literally was like, I have to sit here and nurse and, 
you guys, are you happy? Great. <laughs> if you're not happy, come see me. We'll work it out. But if you're happy, great. And um, and they got so much out of that because not only did they get to just dive into what they loved, but they loved taking care of Pamela and they loved taking care of me and the house. Like they were like, um, mom, what's for dinner? And I was like, oh my gosh, honey, I'm not sure yet. I, I'm, I need to sit here for a little bit and take care of Pam. And they're like, oh, well, can I make dinner? I want to have spaghetti. Sure. And so I would talk them through it. They would cook the spaghetti and then they were like learning that. And then they'd be like, oh shoot, mom, I'm out of clean socks. Oh my gosh, honey. I'm so sorry. I, I just need to sit with Pam right now. Can I talk you through it? Oh yeah, cool. I'm going to learn to do laundry. And then they learned to do laundry. And so it, you know, I felt bad in a way because I was like, am I neglecting my kids? But it all worked out, I think, beautifully because they really did the things they wanted to do. I was there to help them, even if it was just verbally and not like they're doing it. I was right in the same house, same same room, even just not hands on. And so all of that, that was like, like we are fully unschoolers because as I saw them continuing to expand and develop and embrace their own lives and their interests and be loving with their sister and with us and each other, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I trust this. Like, I can trust them. I can trust this. <sighs> and then it, I just feel like so many of the worries just, they, they weren't even in my life anymore. Like, I didn't, like they would come up once in a while, like with, with Emmett, where Seamus was starting to read at eight. And then by nine, he was on to Harry Potter and Emmett wasn't reading and he wasn't reading and he wasn't reading. I'm like, oh, he's going to read. It'll be fine. He's going to read. And then he was like, mom, I'm bothered that I'm not reading. Like I want to read and I can't get this. And so then we had him tested and we identified his dyslexia. And he did some online programs first. And now he's in a in-person dyslexia tutoring program that he's really loving. So, so there were plenty of those moments where, where we would take a step back and look at wanting to do something with more purpose or focus maybe than we had before. But I, I think that's part of unschooling too. Like you, you're always stepping back and saying, oh, maybe we want to do something a little different. And it's not like, it's not like it's unclasses or untutoring. It's just, it's, it's what works for the kiddo. So if they want to take a class, awesome, but they're doing it based on choice. Yeah. 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 That's, oh, there's so much in there, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that piece, that observation that, yes, we're supporting our kids and helping them navigate the things that they're wanting to navigate, right? It's, Offering up the possibilities, um, like taking that step back, seeing a bit bigger picture, you know, sharing with them, oh, well, you know, there's this and there's this and maybe this. And do you want to get tested and learn learn about that? You know, and like you said, it's their choice. It's bringing them that bigger picture of the world and possibilities rather than just hands off. Y'all figure that out for yourself kind of deal. Right. 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 Exactly. I, yes. I love the way you put that, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I also loved, I loved your lens of aggression 
when you were talking about how you were, you know, as you were learning about unschooling, the um, noticing how aggressive different environments, even parenting and classroom and uh, the judgment that comes with that and the, the timetable that comes with that, the aggressiveness of trying to get kids to fit into whatever vision we have in our head, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really loved, I loved that lens on it because that that is another way to look at it, right? Mm. Not just the judgment, but the aggressiveness of the energy to get them to change and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shame really that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then the piece of, I love that when your youngest was born and you were forced for lack of a better word to sit back for a bit and to give them that extra bit of space. Mm -hmm. And your mind was occupied caring for her such that it wasn't spinning with the, Mm -hmm. with the worries. Right. Mm -hmm. So it puts you in that perfect place to give them some more rope, give them some space (laughs) and just see what happens instead of worrying about what's happening. Right. 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 It's, it's a subtle, but that mindset shift, that lens shift for us, oh my gosh, lets us see and appreciate so much more, right? Giving them that space to do those things. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Just, you know, talk me through it. Again, it's that supportive piece versus um, just letting them, just leaving them to figure, not letting them, leaving them to figure things out on, the, on their own. Right. Right. And it's such a balance because it's like, you know, this early on in the unschooling journey, you know, there was always this thing of, oh, you want to do everything to meet your kids' needs. And then I evolved from that, like, because because of my own, you know, working outside the home and having young kids and all that. And I was like, I, I, everybody's needs. Right. And then I would finally find like readings like, yes, of course it's everybody's needs. Like it's just that normally the parents' needs are important. And so the kids aren't, and that's why they focus on it. But it's like, well, yes, but sometimes not like sometimes moms or dads will be putting all their energy into their kiddos or their spouse or their home or their work. And maybe they're not really doing a lot of self-care. I think in, in that place or self-focus. And so sometimes it's hard to meet someone's needs if you're not meeting your own. And so then when we came to that place and it was like, oh, you know, it's not like, oh, my, my, they're not going to get the most out of unschooling if they can't have every need met. It's like, no, no, no. It's more about everybody's needs are considered. We have to talk through it. It doesn't mean everybody can have what they want every second, but it means that we're aware of it and we we negotiate it and we talk about it and we care about it. And we understand that there's going to be maybe some sad feelings if someone can't do what they want simply because of a life situation or conflict or whatever. Yeah. The the answer is no, you can't do that because you're a kid. That's never the answer. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are times when things just don't work and maybe things just don't work on the timetable. Cause again, you know, you never need to say never. Right. Right. We can help them navigate things and and we can put it on, you know, on the board for, you know, the future. Keep it in mind Mm -hmm. when they feel seen and heard and understood that this is important to them or they want 
Mm-hmm. They, they want to start walking in that direction or whatever. Mm-hmm. When they feel supported that way, you know, that's, that's wonderful. They feel heard. And they also, when they feel that way, then they can also consider, I find it, they're more able to consider other people's needs as well when they feel heard, right? They don't have to keep shouting, mm. but I want this, but I, I, mm. need, I need this. They can hear other people too. And together, like back to your board game conversations, right? <laughs> together, we can figure out ways to navigate. And together, not as in, you know, a sit-down meeting, we're going to solve this now because our things change over time. We mm. have, for me, giving that space to allows new creative ideas to bubble mm-hmm. up. Like yeah. I just didn't think of, oh, but what if we did this? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of, it's not exactly how you were envisioning meeting that need, but when we right. get down to figure out what the need is behind it, maybe we can find a little bit different way that will still also meet that need well enough for you for now, you know, and you gain that little bit of experience and then it's like, oh no, that was great. I really do want to do that thing. Or, you know, yeah, that was enough. And now I'm ready to move on. But yeah, that navigating life mm-hmm. versus artificially saying, oh, I'm not going to meet your every need. Oh yeah. Boiled or whatever, you know, you yeah. don't, it doesn't have to come in the conversation because life does naturally have things. Yep that we bump into all the time. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, it, it got much easier as the boys got older because they were driving their thing and they, they could do a lot on their own. And so like the perfect example is when, um, you know, when my, my oldest wanted to work at the camp he had been going to, and he had to write a couple of essays or whatever he had, or, or actually a better example is when he was going for his advanced, um, belt at karate and he had to write, he had to take a hundred question test and he had to write two essays and he had never written a paper before and he was 13. And so he, this was him, he wanted to do it and he definitely was going to do it, but he hadn't done it before. So, so we, so I was available and he would write and we would talk through it and we'd talk about the different pieces and he would watch YouTube videos on how to write stuff. And then we'd go back. And so his need was to get this done. And I was absolutely there with him. And, you know, there were times when I was like, well, I, I'm not here this minute, but you know, can we work on it tonight or whatever it was. And so there was this mix where he, it was his need. He was going after it. And the way I needed to help was totally doable. And it was just, it felt like this beautiful collaboration. And to me, the the other part of the aggression is that when we grow up in that aggressive school system and mistakes are a bad thing, then I think it's also harder because if, if they feel like, Oh, I, I I can't do this thing because I'm not perfect. You know, I don't can't do it well, then they might not move forward, but, but they really have been in a situation where it's okay. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's okay that he was 13 before he wrote his first paper. That's fine. Like there's no downside to that. And Someone on the outside might say, that's crazy. How can I, you know, and I, when you get, when I got to that point in parenting, I, I could, I wasn't even there anymore. I couldn't even relate. I'm like, why is that crazy? Like, no, that's perfect. He wanted to write this paper. He's doing it and it's fine. Like, so it's just more of my unschooling love, <laughs> you know, is, is having that piece of it. 
right? Because, oh my gosh, how he figured it out in that moment uh, will stay with him so much more than if you'd spent the three years before that trying to, you know, teach him that, oh, you got to do this, you got to do this and hear right mm. about this and hear mm. right about this. Mm. I mean, yeah, it, the, <clears throat> the timetable for like that unschooling kids create their own timetable. It, it's just, it's life. <laughs> yeah. And when the things bubble up, like they can figure things out when the need arises. The other really cool piece that was a big piece for me with unschooling is because the school just inherently has, they need to learn all these things by the time they graduate. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because they take on this responsibility. Here's this set that we think you should know and mm-hmm. learn all of this before you leave. <clears throat> but without that more artificial timetable, it's okay that they're 13 before there's an actual need to write an essay or, you know, they're 20 before, right. before they, they actually are interested in pioneer times, like whatever, whatever. Right. It right. really doesn't, right. what matters is, is when they're curious about it, when they're interested in it or when they want to, um, have this skill, this experience, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so much richer and more meaningful and stays with them more in those moments rather than us trying to artificially create a need for them so that they can learn it and hopefully they remember it someday when they need it. <laughs> right, right, right. And and just one more thought I wanted to share that I think, think about when um, sort of when, when, when you peel away that sort of, wow, that aggression that's there in the education system, again, not, uh, not it's not aggression like in an abusive way, but aggression in like, you need to do this. And if not, there's a problem, there's yeah. a real problem, is that when you continue to un, you know peel that back, then you get to this point of we are all individual human beings born with preferences and preferences that develop. And the idea that any of our preferences would be bad or wrong, like in itself is a little bit of a crazy thought. Like, like why would we think that, oh, I, especially there could be a judgment, like, oh, you have a preference for playing piano. Well, that's cool. Oh, you have a preference for playing video games. That's bad or whatever. But just our innate, like our preferences and our interests are just part of who we are. And, you know, they work so hard on, you know, trying to combat depression and self-esteem and all these things in school. And it's like, well, yeah, because kiddos from an early age are in this space where they feel, they really feel judged. And some kids can be okay in that environment. Like they fit in okay and they flourish and they do great. I know that path works for many kids, but for the ones that don't, um, it's just not surprising that there's so much baggage that has to come out sometime later in life. I mean, including from us. And one thing I realized when my own, when I looked back, when I started finally unschooling, I looked back at my own education because I was like, oh, well, I used to think school was great. I liked it. Well, I had sort of an alternative education from ninth grade on. Like I went to a part day theater high school then I went to a college here in Maine that had no grades. Everyone was on a first name basis. You could study kind of anything. It was a super supportive environment. And then I went to this graduate school that was an Eastern Western philosophy where we spent half our time meditating. So 
no wonder I liked my education. <laughs> so. Oh, anyway. that's fun. What a, <laughs> that's a great point, right? That yeah. those were more tailored experiences that you could choose to, you know, the choice to go to those schools too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay, so when we first connected, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you had said you're curious about um, other women's experiences with parenting and unschooling youngest children during menopause. Yep. So I thought it'd be great to dive into that if you could share some of your experience. And I just want to say that we definitely welcome listeners to share their experiences in the comments for this episode and can make this a conversation. (laughs) Would love that. Would love that. You can either reach out to me or we'll figure it out because I would love to. So, okay. So first of all, Pam, I have to say thank you so much because when I wrote you a couple of weeks ago, I was really in the space of focusing on, um, what I was experiencing as the challenges of menopause. And, you know, I had been processing a lot over, over the years and especially over the last six months, but I was really kind of in a place that felt kind of stuck, which is, you know, after watching a lot more of your videos, I felt like, well, I was probably in a cocoon phase actually, but you offering to have me on the show was just this wonderful um, um, moment where I, I, was able to sort of switch my focus. And as I'm thinking and preparing for this conversation, um, I was just able to kind of switch things and, and, and see things and hear things and understand things in a little bit different way. And I also went, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts, but I went back looking for ones where I felt like maybe there were things that related to sort of parenting when you're a little older or during menopause or, you know, that second child or third child years later. And um, I got so much out of listening from you and your guests. I just love them. And um, actually, I I even, I'll send it to you. I have a list of ones that I think speak to concepts. And so you can put them in the notes or whatever. But um, I even went back from the beginning as I had been going up. So thank you so much. Oh, that's Um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely put the links in the show notes. Thanks so much. So part of so I guess what let me let me step back a minute and I'll just start with some definitions because I knew very little about menopause and and heading into I'm 50 now. And so, you know, over in my mid forties, I was like, okay, so menopause is this thing, you know, you women, you stop your period, you're not fertile anymore. And maybe there's some stuff that goes on with you, but it's just this thing. And I was always like, I think it's such a great time. Like I've heard it's a time where you focus on yourself more and, and you, you know, your kids, you're also at a place where your kids are a little bit older, so they don't need you in the same way. And you just have all this time to like, it's good to have a physical experience in your life that sort of makes you focus on yourself a little bit after, you know, all those years of parenting and all that. So and I, I was having some symptoms. So, so pe- what I learned since I've been having more symptoms. So perimenopause is a term that's used in the years leading up to menopause. So that can be three months. That could be eight years. And there are a lot of different symptoms. Um, and maybe we can put them in the notes, but you know, everything from kind of, if you think of PMS symptoms, but they just happen sporadically. Um, and then you throw in there sometimes hard time sleeping, um, lots of moods up and down, um, you know, other things, dry skin, things like that. But, but that kind of leads up 
to menopause. And menopause itself is actually the moment, it's 12 months since your last period. So that's what menopause is. It's that moment in time. And you really have to wait because you could go eight months without a period and then get a period. And so you got to wait. So 12 months, that's menopause. And then after that is called post-menopause. And so for me, other than I, I look back and say, well, I, I had some perimenopause symptoms, but I also was raising a little girl at age 40, 42, 43. So I feel like it was hard to divide the two because, you know, it's hard to have a baby when you're in your 40s and you already went through it once. Um, but now looking back, I, I remember having a lot of like anger and aggression that would come out of nowhere. Like it weren't even in response. And I was just like, what is this? And so anyway, that was that was a symptom. So most of my symptoms, though, that have been challenging for me have been really in the last six to eight months. So I am, you know, this may be a TMI episode for some people, but that's just how I roll. So I have been officially in menopause. Um, so for about eight months. So I've gone my 12 months, then it's been about eight months. And honestly, it's pretty much since I officially am menopause that some of these symptoms have been getting to me and that I feel like they impact how I interact with my family. And I talk about with my youngest daughter because she really is the one I spend the most consistent time with. And she's changing too. I mean, nine to me is a huge, for my family anyway, all my kids changed a lot at age nine, you know, like from where they were at the beginning to the end, they were like, all of a sudden they're like way more independent. And I might not see them for like six hours because she's online or playing with friends. And, um, but my, um, basically the, some of the symptoms, some of the things that were getting at me were, I was just having a lot of mood changes, just random. And, and I was like, I don't understand this. I would, again, have this sort of anger agitation. You know, some people talk about, like, you feel like you're crawling out of your skin and you just don't know why. Um, and I was having uh, some trouble sleeping or waking up in the middle of the night. And um, those things combined were, and, and I was also really desiring some more time to myself, which has been much easier as my daughter's gotten older, but even you know, a year ago, let's say she was still at that stage where she really wanted me a lot. And I always want to be there for her, but I was, I was less, I felt less joyous. And, um, and then the other symptom that comes up is focus. There's this, like, all of a sudden this sort of foggy brain that wasn't there before, maybe not since pregnancy, you know, like I remember foggy brain and pregnancy a little bit, but so all of this stuff is sort of coming out of nowhere at a time when I think, wow, things should be a lot easier. And, and because my kids are all older, I look around my life and I appreciate all the different aspects of my life. And so why am I grumpy or why am I angry or like, what is going on? So that's one thing like, and then I have time, like my daughter's happily engaged. Everyone's engaged. I have time to jump into my hobbies. And now I don't want to like, that's, that's something too, like the stuff I used to love to do. I'm a musician and I love writing music and playing music. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And I, like, and then I couldn't focus. Like I couldn't read a book. I'd start reading a book and I'm like, I can't read anymore. And so it was just like, what is going on? And so when you're having those types of things, it's like kind of hard to be your best self with your family. And so I started to dive into some research and when I finally realized that it was post-menopause, that helped me feel a lot better. 
because I was like, this is a thing. Like everybody goes through it differently. You know, some people it's a few months, some people it's up to four years. Some people might not experience any of it. And I know it's not forever, but it made me feel like I wasn't going crazy. It made me feel like like I'm someone who really focuses on appreciation, like appreciating and focusing on the good. And that was harder to do. And I was like, why? I don't, I don't understand. Everything at this point should be so much easier. I'm excited about this phase of my life. I love having teen boys. I love as my daughter's getting older. It's so fun. And yet I'm just like this different person. So that's my like general overview of where I was. Um, and I do have some great resources to share too about education, about menopause. And then also I found this great YouTube series on understanding all the different treatments that someone may or may not choose to use from someone who isn't biased on a particular perspective. So anyway, so I will send that. But but um, but then what since preparing this last two weeks, what has become so clear to me is how much unschool principles are just so perfect. To address, to address me, to address all that I'm going through, to, to address really life. Like the unschooling principles are awesome as a parent and thinking about with my kids and supporting them. But when I think about like for me, unsch- my unschooling, um, I'm just going to read them so I can get them right. But, you know, I, I had put together years ago, maybe after our conference, um, sort of like my philosophy and my sort of life philosophy around unschooling. And so Mine were life is about growth and joy and being and becoming our most authentic self. So that to me sort of was our unschooling. Everyone's wants and needs are important and considered and our family does its best to regularly collaborate, compromise and problem solve. So that was like at the base of our life. And then, and this one was important as I continue to like take apart the, you know, being successful means being productive. Our value as human beings is inherent and not based on what we produce, learn, or achieve. Beautiful. So those are like also incredibly helpful when you're going through anything. Like, I mean, it might be menopause, might be a broken leg as a mom. It might be leaving a job or stuff. It might be a challenge with your, with your anyone. But that compassion and that perspective, I just the reason I was loving your, all of your watching, rewatching your podcast is because that compassion kind of runs through it and our compassion towards our kids and our compassion towards our spouse and our compassion towards ourselves. And so while there may or may not be things I can do for my symptoms or choose to do, I do know this is a particular amount of time. I do know that by looking at these principles and and having that self-compassion at a really high level um, and sharing that with my kids. I mean, they all know what I'm going through. They all understand. And I can say, you know, I am feeling really anxious right now. I'm going to go out for a walk and, or I, I hear that you want to have me help you do this. Can I do it in 20 minutes? Cause I need to go do something to take care of myself by myself right now. So, so that has been um, incredibly helpful as I've navigated this menopause piece and how it helps me to stay in connection with my kids, but also make sure that I'm attending to my own needs. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful, Sarah. I love how you, um, you know, came up with the foundational like principles for you, for your family through the unschooling lens. Cause I, I imagine when you first created them, it was more with your kids in mind, right? You know, you came home from an unschooling conference, you were all fresh and inspired and, you know, this, this distills, how this feels like, you know, the kind of parent I want to be to my kids and to go back and revisit it. And for me, that was one of the big aha moments. And, and I talk about it, like uh, the episode that came out as we're recording this, it came out last week. So just like a couple of weeks ago, when this goes live, it was a talk I shared about learning, but the big aha moment for me um, at the end that I share is like, oh, this all applies to me too, mm. right? Mm. And so when you go back to those and look through, look through the lens of ourselves, look through the lens of you, it's like, oh, yes, I am inherently valuable as a human being regardless of like all the all the measures and the expectations and yeah no those are just you know extras those are just noise in the end mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i can choose what i want to bring into my life but like to see those pieces and and it does it just hits you more deeply it's like another layer like another yeah. oh, almost like yes. oh yes yeah I I am worthy of all these things too, not just mm-hmm. for my kids, but it's for our family. And mm-hmm. I am a full member of this family too. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And, and I you you mentioned a couple of challenges, and I just wanted to check in and see if there were any more um, that you because we had had this as a question, but Um, We knew that things would come up in the flow of conversation, but if there was a challenging moment or two that you just wanted to talk about how you moved through it as an example. Um, Well, oh yeah. So I I could definitely talk about, um, and I do want to, I also want to talk about mindfulness a little bit more in a minute, but I I do want to say that in, in some of those challenges, in all of the challenges I've experienced, the sort of symptoms and, or, you know, when I think about challenges now, when I, two weeks later now that I'm thinking about it in this new lens is like the challenges with my family is really, is really all about communication. It's all about me being able to express what I need and, and, and not be, and be aware of if I have this sort of like underlying fear that they're going to be disappointed or angry or hurt or something. And so then that sometimes that sometimes that messes up the communication. Like sometimes I can be more aggressive if I think I'm going to get that response. Exactly. Yes. So, 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 so what helps me to have that communication mindfulness piece I'll talk about in a minute, but exercise has been huge. Like, I mean, I, I'm a person who really doesn't do a lot of, um, I don't do a ton of medications and things like that for me. And so uh, exercise has been paramount. And so I'm walking twice a day. I started swimming. I just, I, I will go down and just jump on the rebounder, you know, that little inside trampoline, because I just have this energy and I'm like, all I have to do is exercise and that will help the hormones move around. Cause that's, what's happening is there's this, there's imbalance that's happening at the moment of those hormones. And instead of getting caught up with 
what's wrong or focusing on, I have this bad feeling. It must be because of this. It's like, oh, well, let me exercise because it could be, I'll feel great after which 99% of the time. So exercise, exercise, and then sleep is always a thing. Like I, I've said that through all parenting sleep when you can and when you want to. So I go to bed early and um, usually with my daughter these days and she, and that's fine. And I just do my best to sleep when I can. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, um, and this is the part that kind of connects with mindfulness and meditation is um, that having awareness of whether I'm um, heaping pain on myself by being so self-aggressive because I'm not sleeping, mm-hmm. right? There's this like, I should be asleep. There's no baby crying. No one needs me. There's no toddler crawling into my bed. I should be asleep and I'm not asleep. And um, and that's a problem instead of, you know, it's it's okay. I'm awake. I can listen to something. I can just relax. I can do whatever. Like, I don't like just enjoy laying here. Cause you know, there's many years as a parent, you don't get to just lay anywhere. Right. So like, I appreciate that. So I am really, um, so the, the mindfulness meditation piece really plays into it because from so that, I would say those are my biggest things, exercise and sleep. And I always eat well, like I'm always focusing on making sure I'm feeding my body the right way. So that's important for me. And then um, connecting, like whether it was through watching your podcast or doing this or talking to friends. So that connecting is really helpful to chat about these types of things and feel um, education and connecting are sort of connected because I might be watching something or I might be leaving comments or I might be chatting. So for anyone going through it, I would definitely exercise, get sleep when you can. Um, these are what works for me anyway. Um, and then eating good food, get educated because it helps to know menopause is maybe causing this and then connect as much as you can. And feel free to reach out to me because I love, you know, talking about this. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I love that, Sarah. It, it, it is really that that connection piece too, that kind of community piece. And that's one thing I love too. And I've learned as I've gotten older is that we can have different communities, different people we connect to around different things, right? You know, there is there our connection with our kids and there's connection with unschooling and, and maybe there's um, connection like that we may have through learning about uh, a particular thing, like learning about menopause or, or hobbies or all those different things. And in different, I find that so helpful because then we don't put an expectation on one particular group that they mm. will help us about mm. all the things. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's a unique being and we all have different things that are mm-hmm. interesting to us. Right. So to expect that somebody else would have the exact same mm-hmm. um, list <laughs> mm, sure. is, is, is wild. So that is really interesting to think about. And for us to like information is can be so valuable in that it just helps us understand things a bit better. Like when we're ready to, you know what, I want to learn a little bit more about this. Sometimes it takes a while to realize, oh, there is like, you know, to, to even put together, oh, this might be um, around this thing. I'm going to go learn a little bit more about menopause. And and it does, like for you, your experience anyway, it helped you feel better because there was like a reason there was um 
a lens that you could put on that that helped you understand how your body was um, was working right now. And it helped explain some of the things that were confusing to you. Like, why am I feeling this anger? Why am I feeling anxious? Mm. You know, am mm-hmm. I not sleeping so well some nights? You know, mm-hmm. and to see the bigger picture pattern of the, that those are all related. They're not all distinct things and, all, you know, mm-hmm. the world is falling apart kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. It's really right, nice right. to be able to recognize those patterns. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you have mentioned this a couple of times, so I thought it would be really fun to dig into. As you mentioned, you have a background in mindfulness and meditation. So mm-hmm. you mentioned how that has woven in with your um, menopause journey a bit. And I'd love to hear about more how you find that weaving together with unschooling. You mentioned yeah. the compassion piece. I think that is, that's a really big, really big piece. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's my tag word. Like that's my word. Like it's just been so um, compassion for self and compassion for others. Like I just feel like everything, everything boils down to that for me. So um, yeah. So I you know was introduced to meditation um, back in the late nineties when I went to this graduate program and I had never meditated and I'm someone who loves talking. And so, you know, having this sort of quiet time to reflect was uh, challenging. And what I learned through that three years though, was um, so much. And I would say, you know, now mindfulness is much more mainstream and you can find so much information out there. But for me, it boils down to um, having an awareness that, that we are not necessary. We are not just the sum of our thoughts that we have a lot of stuff running through our head and some of it doesn't even really belong to us. Some of it is we hear outside of us. Right. Yeah. So, but we don't know that. And a lot of times we don't know there's a gap between what we think, how we feel and what our action is. And our nervous system sort of keeps us going with that because depending on sort of the hormones that are released, if it's an upsetting thought, if it's a thought that, that causes us to have fear or anger, then that sort of switches the part of the brain we use. Right. And then that causes us often to, to act, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. We kind of lose that part of our brain that can actually problem solve and be more compassionate and, and kind of think through things in a, in a, maybe a more humane way. So like now it's a a lot more mainstream, but back then it was, you know, for me, it wasn't as much so, but what I experienced through the sort of forced meditation in some ways, I mean, there was no gun to our head, but it was like, you really need to do this. And we have eight hours here. So is that the more I would sort of, we were, the only direction was just to let go of your thought, sit and return to the moment. Every time you're lost in thought, just you know, release your breath and return to the moment. And you might do that over and over again, and that's fine. But eventually you get more and more gap when you're sitting and you're, and there isn't really a thought until you have the thought that says, oh, I'm not having a thought. And then you're like, okay, I'll label that thinking. (laughs) And the experience I had, like I actually got to experience this like increased self-compassion and self-acceptance that I had never experienced before that I was like, wow, I can choose not to believe that thought. Like I can choose to just notice it. And the other part was 
loving kindness for self and other. This term my tree is what we used at the dog love that particular program, but it basically just means loving kindness for self and other. Because if you're going to slow down enough to see your thoughts, there's a lot of self-acceptance that has to happen because we can get very self-aggressive about what we think. Yes. Um, and the only way we cannot like cover that up by being busy and whatever is by being like, okay, it's it's a thought and it's okay. I'm going to allow myself to have that thought. And I don't have to act on it. I don't have to follow it. And so that practice that brought me this great new experience was so helpful when we moved into unschooling um, because there were so many thoughts that I had to notice and realize, oh, it's a thought. And then a thought can turn into a belief or Beliefs are just thoughts that we think a lot, really. So that allowed me to be like, oh, well, that's that's a belief. But but is it solid? Is it does is it factual? Does it have to be? Do I need to believe it? And so the more I could use mindfulness to one, deconstruct some of that. And then two, in the moment when I actually noticed myself reacting, either saying no or getting angry or whatever, if I had a little gap enough to not react, not say whatever I was going to say. One of one that could be very kind to the other person. <laughs> and then also that could give me a chance to consider what do I really want? Like, what's my intention? This is my reaction, but what, what's my intention? And so that, so they just, they just came together beautifully. And then um, I, because I didn't really talk about myself, the other thing that I'm very much um, engaged with is a philosophy for me is a, a lot of things around law of attraction. And so law of attraction and positive psychology has a lot of the same pieces, but really it's about that our thoughts matter, that our intentions matter, and that it's also a lot about self-compassion. It's a lot about you are great right where you are at this moment. And you can focus on what brings you joy, right? And that's not necessarily a piece of mindfulness, although, but appreciation and what brings you joy is actually important for, for creating more of it in your life. And neuroscience backs it up too, because it talks about creating the pathways to joy. And if you're comfortable and used to experiencing joy and seeing the good in things, your brain does that more and more comfortably and easily. So the sort of spiritual weaves into the neuroscience and it, 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 to me, it all fits together. And to me, that's my, that's my life stool now, you know, my chair, my three-legged stool. So I have unschooling law of attraction and mindfulness and those three, and this is all thanks to you that over this last two weeks, I was able to consciously bring that together. Like, wow, they all for me, are such a perfect blend of how I approach my life, how I approach my relationships, what I look to. And um, and that is super helpful for menopause and any other stage of my life that I'm going to go through. And so that, yeah, so that is, that's my little spiel on <laughs> mindfulness and also <laughs> all those things. Oh, I, I love how, I love how you built your stool for how, fun to dive in and just to take the time, uh, you know, 
that it appeared that it, it bubbled up now um, to see how those weave together for you, right? And to see how it, it, it just builds a stronger foundation for us, doesn't it? And, and it gives us that um, lens closer to the surface to look at our days, look at our moments, to recognize the pieces. Like that is something <clears throat> that Anna and I, that we talk about a lot on the podcast is there is joy. It's not about, it's not about, I need to fix all the things in my life so that finally it's, things are good. And then, you mm-hmm. know, then there'll never be any more problems and off we go. I like, I need to do these things before, I can Mm -hmm. feel better or before I can have a good life. Right. Really, when you take the time to look around you, even in the hard moments, even in the hard seasons, there are bits of joy, right? There are pieces Mm -hmm. of joy and it doesn't, that's the thing. Some people will think, you know, same with the positive psychology, criticism of that. They think that, it's ignoring the hard things. It's not. But when you can see the joy alongside it too, ah, those are just little re-energizing nuggets to help you add that help as you move through um, the harder moments. For me, it helps me see bigger picture. Like, because when hard, harder times come, I can get very tunnel vision, mm-hmm. right? Just focused on, yeah, I got to solve this thing. How are we going to solve this thing? Oh my gosh, this is hard. This is hard. And I get very tunnel visioned and I can't see other possibilities as mm-hmm. easily. I can't be creative and coming up mm-hmm. with other ways. Mm-hmm. I want to fix it as fast as possible. But mm-hmm. a really good idea is like two days away if I can just give space for it, like to be more curious about how this might unfold if I can sit with it for a while and see it and hold it and be compassionate towards myself and everybody else who's involved Mm -hmm. and, and notice the pieces of, of joy. And it's like, Oh, you know, this isn't like all my life. There are other pieces. This is right. 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 <laughs> right. And we get, I mean, and, and that's part of why I've had so much fun going back and listening to your podcast, because before when I would listen, you know, I'm like every other unschooler. So I'm having a challenge with unschooling. So I look for podcasts that have the topic, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but what was, you know, I wasn't listening or reading a lot because I sort of was like, I get this unschool thing, which most of the time I do. And that's just, that's just how I don't. And what I say about that, it's like, I really don't I'm no longer worried about what the schools or what the community thinks. Like I don't even think about it. It doesn't even play into it. Right. But what I, I'm getting so much out of listening because there's so many other nuggets in your podcast. And that's also such a positive community. It's such a, your, 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 your podcasts are positive and, and the, and the ability to focus on the good is so prevalent and the reality is, Pam, that the good stuff in life is just as real as the bad stuff. Exactly. Yes. And and our brains are sometimes wired to look for the bad because we're afraid of the tiger in the woods or whatever. But but since I mean, most of the time there isn't that there. And so it's important to strengthen that other part of our brain. And also it's fun. And it's like, I want to feel good and I want to make the world a wonderful place. And if I'm feeling horrible, I am not doing that. I am not helping anyone, right? So I have to make sure I'm feeling good. Then I can look at some of the challenges and say, oh, that's good contrast. 
clarity, great. Let's go in that direction. So yeah. So anyway, so thank you for that too. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I love the way I love what that you took about out of it. I mean, and that's something every once in a while, I encourage people to go back to older episodes or just go like, just, just pick one randomly because when we're in a new space, even ones that we listen to like months ago or whatever, when we're in a new place, we see new things and we mm-hmm. make connections and there is always more to pick up, you know, like, and there's, and there's your stool and, oh yeah, no, that's really fun. Okay. Okay. So what is your favorite thing about the flow of your unschooling days right now? All right, great. And I can weave in a little bit about John in this. So, um, so we, we have a life now and really have for the last nine years where even though I work outside the home, it's flexible and I really can come and go as I need to. I can work from home if I have to. And so our flow is lovely. And I feel like, oh, excuse me. So my husband's home, he has a portable sawmill business. So he gets to, um, you know, he has a lot of off time in the winter, but, you know, we work together on all of the things that need to be done. So we process wood together for our wood stove and we clean the house together and we take turns making dinner, the kids and I, and John um, loves a role play Dungeons and Dragons stuff, just like the boys do. So they talk a lot about that. And there's so much joy in sharing that and different podcasts they watch and different streaming things they watch. And so I love watching that. It's just because we're all around, you know, we're out working, doing things, but we're back and there's just that flow. And then my husband's also an artist. Um, and right now he spends his time. He loves um, painting miniatures and building different things out of all materials that might be part of like a role-playing game. And my daughter loves that. So the two of them will sit in his workshop and they'll they'll do all sorts of things and they'll paint and they'll you know, and she, and she wants to do this thing and she needs help that she saw on YouTube and he'll come out and help. And so I love that. And as the weather gets nicer, then we can go on hikes more together. And I just, I love our flow. You know, we're all sort of, we kind of all have our spaces, like our corners where we all do our thing, but we're all kind of in, in, you know, we're kind of in the downstairs. So we're all around each other and we see each other. Oh, they're exercising now or they're jumping on the trampoline or they're watching that show or Pamela will say, oh, Seamus, I want you to watch this YouTube thing about this, this planet, you know, or, or, or Seamus will be doing a biology lab at home because it's a class he does at home. And he always asks Pamela, Pamela, do you want to do this with me? And, and she will. So they'll sit together measuring things or whatever. And so I have a lot of joy with that, um, that sort of flow. Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. <laughs> and it's 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 so fun to see, like, kind of people weaving together, right? Oh, I'm doing this experiment. Do you want to come? I'm painting this, you know, do you want to hang out? And everybody just kind of flowing and meeting up as as they kind of overlap and then, and everybody having their spaces too. And all of that is valued versus, you know, not one better than the other or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that so much. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Oh, I had so much fun too. And before we go, where can people connect with you online? Um, So I'm on Facebook under Sarah Yasner. And also um, I have a children's uh, music page that I produced a 
children's CD and I have a bunch of sing-alongs I did with my daughter, which is super cute because she was like four and wicked cute. So that's at Sarah, um, Sarah's sing-alongs. So I'll send the, I can give you the link. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put the links to all that in the show notes. So thank you very much again and have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.